Hey guys, this is Georgia with Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens with Jamie and Bree. You're listening to That One Time I Was Abducted by Aliens. I'm Jamie. I'm Bree, and we're two sides of the coin. Hey, Space Tribe. Welcome back to another episode. We've been... A little absent, but our summer has finally calmed down and we are back from all of our trips and ready to bring you our regularly scheduled programming. Today we get to sit down and talk with Mike Barra about his new book coming out. Yes, friend of the show Mike Barra, who we did get to spend some time with at AlienCon. So let's get right into that interview and uh, hey Brie. What's up? Roll that tape. All right, let's start off, Mike, by you telling us about the new book, what it's called, and when it's coming out. Well, it's called The Triangle, and it just should be out now. I mean, it should be coming shipping from Amazon any time now, and it's about the Bermuda Triangle and some of the weird stuff that goes on there, whether it really is all that weird or is there not really a mystery there, that kind of thing. What inspired you to start writing about the Bermuda Triangle? Well, the, uh, the fact that I was up for and auditioning for a TV show about it, but instead of picking a balanced approach and going with a cast that was, you know, multidisciplinarian, multiple, multiple disciplinary, they went with the district debunking Truthbusters thing. And of course, the show is completely tanked and nobody's watched it. So that's the way it goes. What the fuck? What are they even? I just don't understand what people are thinking when they try to come out with a show like that. Why would just you not debunking, have, yeah. yeah. Why would you not have two different sides? What's the whole point? Yeah, well, the, the thing is that debunking shows, never they're never successful because people aren't interested in it and people know it's BS. People know it's bullshit. People know that these guys are twisting the truth, you know? And so without any balance, you just end up uh, with a very small audience of, a very small audience of people in NASA that think they're smarter than everyone. That's what you end <laughs> up with. So, you know, and as a result, yeah, it's shipping right now. It is. I just checked on Amazon. It's shipping Adventures Unlimited Press. So order at Adventures Unlimited Press or order it at uh, Amazon.com. Oh, perfect. So if you had to pick like one story from the Bermuda Triangle phenomenon to like get people into the phenomenon that's going on there, what story would you tell them to look into? I would say the story of Pogo 22. Pogo 22 is a designation. It's a code designation for B-52 bomber that was part of a squadron of an X-6 in a a fighter group that were part of a huge operation called Operation Sky Shield 2 in 1961. And this is a story that most people don't know about the Bermuda Triangle. And and it was actually uncovered by a guy named G.N.W. Quasar, which I would assume is a pen name. And he really kind of dug it up because he heard about it. And apparently this B-52 just disappeared into thin air while they were in the middle of a huge military exercise. They were basically simulating a bombing run, a bombing attack on the Soviet Union in the um, Atlantic, South Mid-Atlantic area. And they spread out, these six B-52s spread out into an attack formation so that they were 10 miles apart, flying laterally. So they were over the horizon. You couldn't see each other. And they performed the operation. They went through. Some of them got through the uh, simulated defenses and some of them didn't. And when they landed, one of them was missing. Pogo 22 was missing out of the group. And they went massive land, sea, and air search for in secret for three days. Didn't find a thing. And then a massive public um, land, sea, and air search. Didn't find a thing. The thing just disappeared into thin air like so many other aircraft have in, in the triangle. So that's probably the, the craziest story. I mean, how do you lose? You guys have any idea how big a B-52 is? I mean, it's massive. It's got eight engines. It's like... 
you know, they're still in service today, 60, 70 years later after they were introduced. It's just amazing. And yet they can't find this one and they've never found it. So, I mean, that to me is really, really the weirdest story. And again, they were only in one of these situations where they were less than an hour away from Bermuda where they were going to land and then ding, disappears. So that one's pretty amazing. So without giving it away, because I, I feel like you answer a lot of these questions probably in the book, but did you come to some conclusion about like what overall you personally think that this kind of phenomenon is? Or do you think that there's more layers to it than could be explained? Yeah, I, I would say to me, it's the latitude and longitude. It's it, the, the triangle itself is right between two really significant latitudes, 19 and a half degrees, which is where the Puerto Rico is, and then Bermuda is at 33 degrees. And those two numbers come up over and over and over again in my research about, you know, um, Mars and the monuments of Mars and the 19.5 degrees and the 33 degrees are related. And they have to do with this concept of uh, Hoagland's concept of hyperdimensional physics, which is the idea that all energies come from higher dimensions and that you can basically, um, you know, gate energy by spinning big, massive balls of matter like a planet like the earth and that 19.5 degree latitude is where you see a lot of energetic upwellings on other planets and in fact on the planet earth and so the triangle is an area where because of the significance of, of this theory to the to the geometry you're going to get a lot of weird energy flows you're going to get a lot of uh, energy coming out of the earth you're going to have a lot of magnetic anomalies. You're going to have a lot of strange stuff happening. And I really think that, that that's really what's going on in that particular area. And then you look at, you know, right near the triangle, there's there's these ruins off the coast of Cuba at 19 and a half degrees that are basically an underwater city that have to be at least 50,000 years old. And then you go a little further along that latitude and you come to Teotihuacan, where you've got these massive pyramidal structures. You've got a bunch of uh, old Mayan pyramids on the Mexican coast, and then you go around the world, and that's where the South China Sea Devil's Triangle is, where a bunch of ships and planes have disappeared. So I feel like these are areas where the walls between dimensions and, and the, the physics of the Earth is not very well understood, and a lot of these planes especially just fall into this, this electronic fog that seems to engulf uh, planes. There's only been one guy that's ever survived an encounter with it, and I think it's a real phenomenon, and that's kind of what's taking everything taking and sucking everything out of there. So we don't know too much about the 19th and a half parallel, but we did a whole episode on the 33rd parallel. And I haven't done too much research, but maybe the 19th and a half is something we look into eventually. But uh, what do you think the difference between those two parallels are? Because to me, it kind of seems like on the surface, the 33rd parallel has a lot more to do with man-made energies and things like that. Whereas like the 19th seems to be a little bit more towards that spiritual, natural side of that phenomenon. Yeah, that, well, that's certainly true. The 33 degrees is really significant, though, because it is mathematically related to 19.5. In other words, it all has to do with essentially what's called what's te tetrahedral geometry, the geometry of a tetrahedron circumscribed or surrounded by a sphere, which has to do with planetary physics, which has to do with the monuments of Mars at Sidonia built by aliens or built by some prior human civilization. And 33 degrees, you look along that latitude, you've got the Georgia Guidestones, you've got Atlanta, which is named after Atlantis. Gee, do you think they're hinting at something just off the coast? So in other words, this area is definitely a mysterious area at 33 degrees latitude. You have Phoenix, the city of Phoenix, which is founded right down the middle of 33 degrees by Ulysses S. Grant, who was, guess what, a 33rd degree Scottish Rite Freemason president of the United States. And in fact, most people don't know this, but Phoenix is not even 
If you, you don't own your land in Phoenix, it's all owned by the federal government. It's a federal protectorate. And you only really have a you only have a lease on the land there. You don't actually own any land along that 33rd parallel around Phoenix. So, damn. you know, again, there's a significance all around the world of the number 33. And it has to do with hyperdimensional physics and Freemasonry and the secret codes for how you sort all this stuff out. So, I mean, I, I think they're both significant in different ways. And three, three. Three or thirty-three point three degrees again is another significant number. Significant number in the whole uh, physics of higher dimensions. So it's just all connected, and it's you know, look, I would not expect the Bermuda Triangle to triangle to be anywhere except between nineteen point five and thirty-three degrees. And it, to me, it's not a coincidence that it is. It means there's something interesting going on there. So you had mentioned something about um, the China's Devil's Triangle. So is there more of these locations that are like the Bermuda Triangle? Like, I know personally about, like, the one over in Catalina. Well, yeah. Because that's close to us. Yeah, there is there is definitely one, uh, what they call the Devil's Triangle in the South, or the Dragon's Triangle in the South China Sea. And it's 120 degrees around the circumference of, of the planet Earth along the same 19 and a half degrees south latitude. So, you know, again, this has to be connected. And you have an abnormal number of ships some planes that disappear uh, in that particular area. So again, you know, I think it's all definitely, definitely connected. I wonder where they go. Like they just pop up in another dimension. Yeah, I think, I think they slide off and they slide into another existence or it's an area where it's easier for, let's say the aliens to operate because they're using a technology that sort of flows between two different dimensions and they kidnap them, take them away, you know, pull them, pull them off and, and take them gosh knows where, you know, until, until. Take the ship too? Yeah, the ship too. Well, and then, there, you know, there's another case called the case of the SS Scorpion, USS Scorpion, which is pretty weird, which is a nuclear attack submarine that, that apparently, according to my old friend Bob Dean, secretly, you know, slipped through the triangle to Haiti, was refit with a bunch of weapons to basically intercept USOs or unidentified submerged objects and did so and was taken out by this USO, which operated like an alien spacecraft. And when they found the wreckage, they found the bow and they found the stern in the middle of the, the middle of the sub. It's just gone. There's no wreckage. It just disappeared. It's, like, it's as if, as, as it was described to me in the, the, the wording of the report, my, Bob Dean told me the wording of the report was that it was as if the middle of the sub had simply just been plucked out of the body and taken away somewhere. Speaking of USOs, um, I think one thing that I'm really, really interested in, and it's actually one of our most listened to episodes, is the Baltic Sea anomaly. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just want to get what's what's your opinion on what you think it is? Well, it's interesting because, you know, look, if the reports are true that you cannot get close to it because when a ship gets over it, all their instrumentation goes crazy and gets knocked out. Um, if those reports are true, then it is something really significant. And look, the bottom line is you can see that this thing is not natural at all. There's no way it's natural. And it's at the bottom of the ocean. And, and they've recently found, looking at some of the sonar scans, that there's a big scar in the bottom of the ocean where the thing actually hit the water at thousands of miles an hour, which would have destroyed any conventional aircraft, and then goes all the way to the bottom and then skids along to the, the bottom until it comes to rest. So it's an artificial object. There's no question about it. And it doesn't look like it's some sort of, you know, Norwegian, German subnet pen or something like that. And if it's not that, then what the F is it? And I, I mean, I think if the attempts to dive it and take samples of it are true, um, the reports that we've heard, then you're dealing with something really extraordinary that I think is probably some sort of wrecked 
spacecraft from a long, long time ago. So can I propose that this be your next TV show that you do where you go? Oh, you can propose you can propose to me anytime, Brie. It's okay. <laughs> that was Jamie, so Wow. No, Jamie. Sorry, Jamie. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Either way, Jamie too. Do you think that like you could take that to like the Discovery Network and be like, look guys, let me spearhead this. Let me be the person. Let me be the the, the host and let's go there. Go to where is Sweden? Let's yeah. go to Sweden and go go investigate it and figure it the fuck out. Well it sounds like an idea except for two things. Number one, it requires me to be on the ocean. Oh no, you don't <laughs> like oh, the ocean. Don't like, I don't do I don't do boats very well. I don't like boats. No, but I heard you're doing the ancient alien cruise. Yeah, and number two is is there enough there to do a whole series about it? I don't know, but you could certainly do some episodes about it. And I would certainly like to to get an expedition together and find out if it's really true that when you get over the top of this thing and try to dive it, that all your instrumentation goes crazy. Because those are the reports that we heard, but nobody's really confirmed that yet. So Yeah. You just have to get someone that has a lot of money, like Jeff Bezos, get him interested and yeah, he can fund go. the whole yeah. thing. Yeah. I mean, if the Curse of Oak Island is still on for God knows how much longer it will be on I know. for, why they're could... still digging and digging. Yeah, and digging why not the Baltic Sea anomaly? At least we know yeah. that there is something down there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't get the Curse of Oak Island phenomenon, except that maybe Robert Clotworthy's amazing uh, narration might be what makes it go. But <laughs> I don't like what could they possibly what could they possibly be looking for there that they haven't found? I don't know. Yeah, I, I learned about that story when I first got into podcasts. This has to be like five, six years ago now at this point. And I heard the story and I thought it was really cool. And then I saw the TV show and it's like, you're just, it's literally nothing every episode. Uh-huh. And every, it's like that dramatic music of dun, dun, dun. And it's like, you think it's going to tell you something. And then every single time it's like, nope, just kidding, guys. There's yeah. nothing new here. Yeah, that's been going on for days. Um, yeah, I can't really disagree with that. Although it's a network I work for occasionally. So I'm not going to rip on it too much. I, was gonna say. I don't find it an interesting show. I think it's great that other people do, you know, go right Just saying, though, that. That the Baltic Sea anomaly could for sure have its own show. Yeah, I think it could at least have uh, at least have a few episodes of a show, you know, uh, investigating that thing. But I'm sure as heck I'm not going to get into the water and dive it. I'll just tell you that. <laughs> Somebody else needs to do that. We'll do that for we'll sure. Do, we'll, we'll, you guys do it? We'll do it. Yeah, I'll get and, in there for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys go ahead. I'll be back on shore monitoring the whole thing from dry land. <laughs> Perfect. That's a, guys, listen, we could be you your sidekicks. Yeah, and we'll go jump in the water for you. <laughs> oh, yeah. My sidekicks. That sounds like a good role for you, too. <laughs> So speaking of TV, what else do you have going on right now? Because I feel like it's more than one show. Yeah, it's a, it's three different shows right now. Of course, there's always Ancient Aliens out there, and it looks like we're going to be shooting some more of those episodes. They got quite a few more to do for this year that they want to get done. And then, of course, there's uh, UFOs, The Lost Evidence, which is on Travel Channel. I think they're running a marathon of that right now over on Travel. If you want to, when you get done listening to the podcast, flip over and watch um, Travel Channel and then. Sunday nights at uh, 7 and 10 p.m. on the West Coast, which is 10 and 1 in the morning on the East Coast, you've got Truth Behind the Moon Landings, which is my current star turn for Science Channel, which is all about whether or not we fake the moon landings and is, um, is the most popular show on the Science Channel right now, which is cool. Awesome. Even at 1 o'clock in the morning? I like that. People be well, staying up late to well, watch you. Yeah, you know, or they could just hit the DVR, you know. then. Uh, oh, that's right. I forget that you could have all, everything on demand these days. Yes, it is amazing. But, you know, again, with, with TV shows, if you do like a TV show and you want to support it, I'm just going to let you know, the only thing that they count as ratings are watching it live or watching the DVR of it, DVR of it within three days, 72 hours. Oh, shit. So you Wow, that's that. crazy. And, yeah. So if you really want to support a show, the best thing to do would be to watch it live, also DVR it, and let it run 
you know, like in the background when you're not really watching TV and let all the commercials run because that way they know you watch the commercials. So that's the best way to support a show. So I got those three going right now. So which of the three is your favorite to be on set for? Oh, definitely Truth Behind the Moon Landings because it's reality TV and we're doing an investigation and uh, there's acting involved to a certain extent. It's a scripted reality show and it's, um, you know, it's just something that's very fun and cool to do and it, it pays well and, you know, you get, you get yourself out there. You get your personality out there. I mean, a lot of times this, the talking head inter- interviews, you're not really you're not really getting that much of your personality out there. So I like that. And it's been really good. And I, I feel really good about my relationship with the company. And I'm hoping that we do more shows together. So we'll see. If you could spend a night in the space station and someone else paid for it to happen, would you do it? Yeah, sure. That would be cool. Well, not, not, not everyone wants to go to space. I've realized that we talk about this shit. Some people are like, no, I'm cool. I'm, I'm cool uh, down here. No, not I, everyone's I like, like he would. not everyone's like, no, I'll, I'll go on the ship to Mars. You know what I mean? Like not everyone, they'll, like well, they're into it, Mars but they won't go. Little, Mars is a little more complicated. I would certainly go in the secret space program flying saucer to Mars. That would be Ooh, fun. I'd be like dope. to do that. And then, you know, talk about that experience that would be really cool do we know who we can tweet at for that is there like uh do you have like um, any inside knowledge on who that i can specifically ask questions to about it's like Corey good i have been told i have been told by someone who who probably knows what he's talking about that yeah i can get you right on one of those but you'll you, if you ever talk about it they'll kill you and i'm like well and where's no fun where's the fun if i can't talk about it if i can't like get it out there and say hey guess what we have secret technology we flew we flew to mars in nine minutes and uh i saw the face on mars and it's really cool and you know if i, if I couldn't do the whole you know travis walton experience what fun would it be it just wouldn't be i totally agree like how depressing would your life be to like sit at home and have to like every time someone says something you're just like god damn it i've seen mars fuck you none of that yeah. matters you know what i mean <laughs> it's actually exactly. blue yeah exactly exactly it would be it would be um upsetting to do that so no you know i have to admit i'm gonna assume based off of things we've talked about in the past that you do believe that we landed on the moon yes and that it was just maybe some of the footage that was played out not any not any that i'm aware of okay no, so all of the footage I'm... is legit everything that we've seen i think is real footage of the moon gotcha. and i have no reason to not think that i mean and that was my position before i took the job and my job is to be the crazy conspiracy guy and say well what about this and what about this and what about this which i'm totally willing to do because i knew in the end we were going to get to the truth mm-hmm. right that was the thing that mattered to me about the show is are we going to get to the truth yes and the truth is we did land on the moon so, uh, you know, it, that has been my position, but I am there to be the guy to represent our community and ask questions. And no, I, I think the show really answers all the questions. I mean, a lot of the other stuff, it's like, no, I, I'm far more interested in when they go to a certain area that looks like an entrance into right. a hexag- hexagonal mountain, quote unquote mountain. And they get there in the rover and then the guys in Mission Control pan around looking at every single thing except what the astronauts are doing for 20 minutes. That's what I'm interested in, not whether or not we really went, because I know we really went at this point. I'm positive. Do you get to put any of that into the show? Yeah. Because I know that you'd be like, well, so-and-so was a 33rd degree Mason and he did this ritual. And <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, no, that stuff didn't get into the show because it was for Science Channel and they have a particular perspective they want to take. Of course. But that would be a great follow-up show to do for maybe a different uh, network or customer. That would be a great follow-up show. It's like, okay, so we did go to the moon, but what did we really do there? And what did yes. we really find there? 
Speaking of that, uh, there's a rumor that, you know, Neil Armstrong and them performed some type of ritual inside of there and it had something to do with the degrees of the sun or earth being at 33. Like, what do you think like happened inside that little capsule? Well, I mean, I'm the one who I'm the one who wrote all that. So I kind of know that one inside and out. But like, what do you think specifically? Yeah. Like, like, were they sacrificing like small children inside of there? Like, what do you think? No, I don't think. Neil and Buzz were sacrificing small children, but it was about establishing the moon itself, if not Tranquility Base, as as you know, a Masonic temple. That's absolutely what was going on. And Aldrin was made no secret of the fact that he was a big thirty uh, second degree Scottish Rite Freemason, hoping to make it to thirty third, which he did. And you know, he's always displaying his always displaying his Masonic ring every chance he gets. He still does that to this day. And that's obviously his most important affiliation, more more so than NASA or even his ex wife. I mean, you know. <laughs> I think his I think his wife became his ex-wife partly because he didn't wear his wedding ring on the moon. He wore his Masonic ring. And yeah, that was all done. It was all coordinated. It was all timed very specifically to set up this ceremony. And he brought a Masonic ceremonial apron with him, which, you know, which he wore when he um, performed this alleged communion ceremony in the lunar module and with Neil. And they did that before they went out in the first moonwalk. So it was all just part of this this ritual pattern that NASA uh, has followed for basically all their missions. Yeah, we're big believers that NASA is hard, like, deep into the occult and no one realizes it, or only the smart people realize it. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, there's stuff like uh, this show Strange Angel on CBS, which is supposed to be about Jack Parsons and his nutty stuff and uh, at, at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, but it's really light. I mean, it's really gone very light on that, and, and his NASA affiliations are really downplayed so far. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed in how slow that one's moving, and, you know, just getting into what a complete nut this guy was, and yet here he is as an exalted, you know, member of the NASA fraternity, and he was totally into the occult and black magic and rituals and all that stuff, and all of NASA was. They had this ritual pattern all throughout their history. Oh, yeah. Jack Parsons, one of my favorite stories of him is him and Aleister Crowley used to have these crazy sex parties where they would, like, use cum and sex in order to, like, put manifest. it out. And, yeah, like, manifest their their mission to, like, go into space and things like that. Like, of course, they're not going to talk about that shit in TV shows. But, God, I wish, it, like, Netflix mm-hmm. would do something like that. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, the thing is that there's this opportunity right here, and they, they really aren't doing it on the show. I mean, the show is almost sexless. It's so boring. Oh. It's like, it's like you know, it's like, imagine network television, which is what CBS is, their version of sex. It's like, yawn. And it wasn't actually uh, Crowley. Crowley was communicating with Parsons, but he was trapped in England at the time. He couldn't get a couldn't get a visa to come to the U.S. It was actually L. Ron Hubbard that Parsons was doing all oh, that stuff right, with. Yeah, right. and they were doing all this. That's they were right. doing all this weird stuff. It was it was really ridiculous. It was like I don't know how intense I can get here, but it was uh, you know like, get as intense as you want. Well, okay, like Parsons was having sex with this woman named Marjorie Cameron, who I yes. believe is related to James Cameron, who was red haired and green eyed and quote an elemental, and the whole purpose whole purpose of the the thing supposedly was to he was having sex with her like all the time in order to uh impregnate her with um the moon child who would be the mother who would grow up to be the whore of babylon and was the mother of would be the mother of the antichrist so the plan was i'm going to knock this bitch up with uh with a moon child who's then going to grow up and then i'm going to rape her when she's 13 or 14 and they're going to give birth to the 
the Antichrist who's going to put an end to the world. That's what Parsons' plan was. The problem was he kept having anal sex with, <laughs> with Marjorie Cameron, which makes it hard to get her pregnant. So. <laughs> you know what? He he lived a fun life, uh, and I'm well, jealous. Well, I think I think Jack was I think Jack was just kind of you know enjoying the whole experience. Really, I, <laughs> how did we I know? Agree. How how did we know it was like a lot of anal sex? Like yeah, like did did like, Marjorie come like, out and she was like, diaries? hey guys, yeah, yeah. Marjorie's talked about it, and other people have talked about it, and it's it's all written down. I mean, L. Ron Hubbard was the scribe. Basically, he sat there at the foot of the bed and took notes about what Parsons did to her. <laughs> so, oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Pretty well, pretty He's like, well dear documented. diary, I am currently sitting on the edge of the bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't think we're going to have an antichrist today. Uh, he finished on her face, so it was a facial. So I don't think that's, you know, I mean, it's just, just crazy shit. So, you know, it was all really nutty. And that's the thing. And also, too, don't, you know, when you go back and look, what there's an old movie called Rosemary's Baby, which is almost impossible to sit through now because it's so dated. The dialogue and the acting is so awful. But it is the story of what's called the Babylon working, which is what that whole thing was. And there's John Cassavetes is the spitting image of Jack Parsons. Mia Farrow plays Mar- the Marjorie Cameron character. They reset everything from Pasadena to New York City, but all the characters are there. There's a Crowley character. There's an L. Ron Hubbard character you know, who wears an ascot like L. Ron Hubbard did. And that movie is the retelling of the so-called Babylon working from the 40s in 1968. And it won all kinds of Academy Awards and was considered really scary and horrific. And that was the purpose, though, was to raise the Antichrist and destroy the world because Parsons was completely nuts. And he hated Western civilization and wanted to destroy it. And this is a guy who's got a crater named after him on the moon. And he's got a hall named after him at Caltech and JPL. JPL puts out a um, nativity scene to him. Every uh, Halloween, because on Halloween is when they, guess what, shot off the first rocket test that led to the formation of NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. So they got all this crazy ritual black magic stuff all the way through the history of NASA, just over and over again. I don't even know where to take this. I know, place. because how do you follow up anal? I know, how do you follow up anal? Yeah, exactly. Okay, no, no, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. So, you, you know, me. this kind of imagery in mainstream media and entertainment goes far back than I think people really understand and recognize. Yeah. And I know me and Brie, very recently, we are big believers that we think that we're kind of in the middle of some sort of disclosure. Not saying it's like the disclosure, but like there's some weird shit going on with the government and them releasing a lot of information about things. And I know that we talked to you a little bit about it at AlienCon, and you don't necessarily believe that that's the case, right? Well, I don't believe in disclosure, period. I just don't believe in it. I don't think it's really going to happen. I think what we're getting now is CIA's version of disclosure, because everybody affiliated with all this stuff, these, these videos are all CIA. I mean, Tom DeLonge's group is all CIA or, or various other intelligence agencies. It's like a... Um, you know, this guy, Luis Elizondo, he's a he's an army counterintelligence officer. It's a giant counterintelligence psyop. And they've got people on the payroll. They've got control over people at the Washington Post and the New York Times. And they're putting out these stories. And then I guess that means Fox News can now cover it because it's been in the Washington Post or New York Times. But here's the other thing that I'm trying to get people to think about is like, oh, it's now in the mainstream. Well, it's in the mainstream because it's in the Washington Post and the New York Times. You know, literally more than half the country doesn't believe a fucking word that the New York Times or the Washington Post puts out anymore, because over the last two years, they've just discredited discredited themselves with their utter insanity about Donald Trump. I mean, they've put out they've each put out about 25 separate fake stories that have been proven to be fakes. 
about the president. And it's like, you know, who takes them seriously anymore? So when I hear people in the UFO community going, oh, we're now into the mainstream, it's like people don't, people don't read the Times or the Post anymore. They just don't. That could be purposeful, though. Why, yeah. why would they? So it's not in the mainstream. And by the way, and by the way, it was in the fucking mainstream in 1993. Have you ever heard of the X Files, the most popular show oh, on television, for about five years? So it's like people say it's now in the mainstream. Like when was Aliens not in the That's mainstream? Like sci-fi. I mean, they've mainstream. been in the mainstream for decades. So I don't know. I hear this nonsense from people that I'm, you know, on panels with and stuff, and I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? They're so desperate. They're so like. We are desperate. I will admit, we're fucking desperate. Oh, we're all going to be on Oprah now. We're all going to be on Oprah. It's like, no, 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 Steve Bassett. no, Steve Bassett. no, Linda Howe. She would love that. You're not ever going to be on fucking Oprah. No, Nick Cope, you're not going to be on Oprah. Okay. It's not going to happen. And, and again, whatever, whatever they do tell us, it's going to be a lie because these are the same people that have been lying to us for 70 or 80 years about aliens. So now they come out and say, oh, this is really the truth, and we believe them? I mean, I don't know. Sometimes I think the standards in the UFO community are really low, like way too low. Nobody asks any hard questions. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I think another thing that we've noticed, too, is like there seems to be this like cycle of old news that keeps coming back. It's some UFO crash, and then everyone talks about it, and it dies down for 10 years. And then all of a sudden, it's like they bring it up again like it's brand new. or like uh, We have new information about the Rendlesham crash. <laughs> new witness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like, so, like, yeah, I've noticed, like, especially like, recently, on. like, so many people have been talking about the Rendlesham Forest crash. And I'm like, you guys, are like, there's nothing there new about nothing it. But all new. of a sudden, we have this resurge of people coming and talking about it again. Like, do you have any comment about, you know, this type of behavior that we have going on, these cycles that keep happening where people keep trying to make it, like, new information? Well, part of it, though, is that every five to ten years, you have a whole new group of people who weren't here five or ten years ago who don't know any of these stories. Young people. And you need to reiterate it to them. Like, I think this moon show that we're doing, we're going to Truth About the Moon Landing on Science Channel, uh, 7 p.m. Pacific. We're going to have to reshow that show every five years because I I guarantee you three, four, five years from now, people are going to go, how can you say we went to the moon? What about the Van Allen radiation belts? You know, and I'm going to have to explain it again. That's part of the cycle is you're re-educating younger people who haven't heard about this stuff. True. So I understand that. But I mean, I do kind of listen to some people, again, that I work with and I'm on panels with. And I'm like, haven't you got anything new to talk about? Really? Haven't there? I mean, when was the last major big UFO flap sighting ever? It was the Phoenix Lights. And that's 22 years old now. And I think that the lights that were on video, the lights that are on video are pretty much flares so you know oh, I mean, kurt russell our lord and savior you guys are you guys are watching kurt russell on tv now what no okay no so um. <laughs> so we have podcast friends who um are obsessed with kurt russell and they have a kurt russell fan club that i'm a part of and actually last night we all got together on the internet and watched the thing okay which i had never watched before oh and anytime we talk about the phoenix lights i just i have to talk about kurt russell because it's like the one time I can link aliens and Kurt Russell together and kind of sort of get away with it in a conversation. Mm-hmm. So I, I try to say it like anytime anyone ever says Phoenix Lights, I'm always just like, Kurt Russell. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a great, terrifying, terrifying movie uh, to watch. It actually, it was really good. And I, I had never watched it. And I was really upset because they killed all the dogs in it. Yeah. I, yeah. No. That's the thing that I don't like the most is that one. If so. the movie started and I was like, oh my God, poor dog. And then someone was like, you're going to hate this movie. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Wait, going off road here. I have I a question for you. I have a question for you. 
So I know that you're saying, you know, Aliens was big in the 90s. We had the X-Files, but that was in a very sci-fi way. And maybe it's not considered mainstream to you because it's New York Post or whatever and you consider them liars anyway. But isn't it just the fact that that information is coming forward for other people to see that maybe would have never even thought twice about aliens and not saying that what they're saying is true. I think that Jamie and I both agree that what's happening is a way for them to sort of rewrite the story. So they're coming out with it first and whoever listens to it now that doesn't have any prior knowledge of the subject will just believe everything that they say. Mm -hmm. They're just trying to completely take control of the narrative. Yeah. Again, this is deep state disclosure. It's not real disclosure. It's not really what happened. It's not the truth. It's not even close to the truth. It's just basically the version that they want you to believe of the history of this um, this investigation. I mean, does anybody seriously believe that until this ATIP thing came along that the government was not investigating UFOs? I mean, that's ridiculous. No, and not that's, minute, that's no. literally what they're saying. That's literally what the show is saying. Oh, yeah, right. OK, sure. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is that I think the reason why that you have this sort of gap in in the story. I mean, look, the X-Files educated the generation and then you had almost 20 years where there really wasn't any good alien programming on. And so you have to have the fictional thing to get the cultural awareness going. And we've gone through a period where, you know, there hasn't really been any any good drama. And I think that things have really sort of slacked or lacked and you create this uh, you create this void into which people can step with their bullshit stories about working for the government, even though the government says you never worked on that program. And, you know, you put this stuff out. And so that's where we are today. Well, why do you think it's happening? So it's like whether or not we believe their stories, they still decided to come out for whatever reason about all of these alien stories. So why? What's so like, your opinion? Why? What do you think well, is the okay. driving force of all of this? If you were going through a period of historic change in the world, which you are seeing. You're seeing the worldwide categoric rejection of globalism around the world. Brexit, the election of Trump in the United States, the protests in France, which have been going on for over 40 weekends in a row now. Protests in China. The votes in Italy, the protests in China, which are massive. Everybody is rejecting this concept of globalism and everybody is demanding sovereignty control over their own local situation and, and their individual rights as a, as a sovereign being, right? That's what's happening. And you knew that the people who are currently in charge are going to put this stuff out. Then the first thing you would have to do is try to beat them to it, to try to define what disclosure is before the truth is actually disclosed. And I think that's what we're seeing here is we're seeing what I would call the deep state, the bad guys, trying to get their version of events out to keep from swinging from the nooses, you know? I mean, uh-huh. I mean, look, you know, if these guys have lied to us about aliens for 70 or 80 years, they're trying to get it out, their version of the story out there to make themselves look as good as possible because I think sooner or later, we're going to get the truth. I don't think because of the, the physics that we're in, the physics of consciousness that's happening right now, I don't see us getting past 2024 without some truth coming out, some truth coming out about aliens and extraterrestrials some real truth and when i say truth i mean officially sanctioned truth so like from someone that others will trust mm -hmm. so not in a way that it's just we the people the believers are trying to get it out like jamie and i are doing yeah so like who who is that person though yeah like in your hard. eyes like in just your eyes alone who do you think the best person to come out and give that information out is or a group of people you know what i mean Corey good the spirit being alliance <laughs> <laughs> the best person yeah in your opinion. I think the best 
the best person to do it would be John F. Kennedy Jr. Oh, that's, oh, that's, that's a right. Good okay, answer. so tell, tell okay, us because yeah, yeah, yeah. you gave us a piece at AlienCon. At AlienCon, and I have heard a different. I've heard all about this actually from uh, Edge of Wonder. So you tell us what are you talking about? That, yeah, I yeah, yeah. He was dead. No, he, and, and dot, not dot, only dot. that, but he's going to emerge soon. So, like, what are you saying? What's the deal? What's the scoop? Well, John John F. Kennedy Jr. allegedly died in a small plane crash on July 16, 1999, in the Atlantic, North Atlantic. He was supposedly heading to Martha's Vineyard for the weekend with his wife and her sister. And he apparently supposedly lost track of where he was, crashed into the ocean, made a big mistake, and... and uh, you know, died. And everybody kind of accepted that, although there were some suspicious circumstances around it at the time. But then this guy started showing up at Donald Trump rallies in 2017. And the interesting thing about this guy is that he was positioned right over the right shoulder of the president. You know, all these shots of him when he's speaking, everybody you see behind the president is handpicked. They're handpicked and sat in specific seats to create a specific effect. You know, you want to see a black face. You want to see young girls. You want to see some Latinas there when he talks about the wall. And there's this guy. And this guy is a scruffy looking dude with a two or three day growth beard, long, crazy hair, a hat on that's called a Kavanaugh, holding up all these women for Trump signs and all this other stuff. And people said, you know, if you look at this guy, he bears a striking resemblance to John F. Kennedy Jr. And people are like, oh, yeah, right. But then if you take pictures of John F. Kennedy Jr. and you think, okay, what would this guy look like in 20 years? 20 years later, and if he wore a scruffy beard and a wig and a dopey hat and glasses, what would he look like? And he'd look exactly like the guy that's over Donald Trump's shoulders. And it was more than one rally. He was back in the background at a couple rallies. And then they started doing facial comparisons, the ears, the nose, the eye, the separation of the eye, the distance between the eyes and the the mouth, which are things you cannot change, right? You can change your chin, you can change your nose, you can get you know, you can have your ears bob. You can do lots of different things. You cannot change those things. And glasses are always on or off. Yeah, on, always on with Vincent. On. And mm. and literally, this guy is. If you take one half of his face and the other half of John F. Kennedy Jr.'s face, you get the same face, and it's John F. Kennedy Jr. And then you look at his hands, and he's got the same hands. Is you know, like people have different. Their thumbs look different. Their the veins in their hands look different. And this guy is an exact match for John F. Kennedy Jr. And then it turns out his name is allegedly Vincent Fusca, which is basically a name that means conquering darkness. Mm. And that's his name. And he lives in Pennsylvania, allegedly. And there's interviews with him because he had this thing called the Trump mobile that he would drive around New York, big Donald Trump 2016 thing and later 2020 and all this stuff. And um, he's interviewed and he literally has the same mannerisms as John F. Kennedy Jr. He holds his hands the same way. He waves them around when he speaks the same way. John F. Kennedy Jr. had a little scar under his lower lip. So does this guy. And then that's all well and good. How's the voice, though? But what about the voice? The voice is just disguised. He's a, John F. Kennedy Jr. spent years going to acting classes. He can act. He's an actor. It's just a fake sort of Italian voice. Good <laughs> Italian voice. But then wait a minute, then wait a minute. Then people went back and said, well, okay. And then look over Trump's left shoulder. And there's a woman there. And by gosh, you look at her and she looks exactly like Carolyn Bissett Kennedy, his wife, would look 20 years later with dyed black hair. And she smiles and the nose is the same. And she's even got a little crooked tooth, just like Jacqueline or Carolyn Bissett Kennedy. And oh, guess what? She's wearing a ring. She's wearing a ring that Jackie Kennedy wore in the White House. She's wearing the same fucking ring. 
And then, oh, the sister. What about the sister? Oh, well, look, there's a woman over here who looks pretty much like the sister would look 20 years later. And you add it all up, and it's them. It's the whole Kennedy clan. And then, and then there are people out there who have done lip reading on the conversations between Vincent Fusca and Carol and Bissette Kennedy. And it's all about how Junior is the going to be, you know, they keep calling him Junior. She calls him Junior about 10 times. This guy, people, some people say that this guy is John F. Kennedy Jr., that he faked his own death and that Trump has been protecting him for the better part of 20 years. And I think it's true based on everything I've seen. Wait, who's been protecting him? Donald Trump. For Why? 20 years now? Mm-hmm. Why would Trump care about him? They were friends. Back then? Because, well, yes, uh, Trump and J- JFK Jr. were friends, pretty good friends. Uh, went to Knicks games together, played golf together. Uh, there's pictures of them at parties together. And uh, Donald Trump was a big admirer of President Kennedy, of uh, John F. Kennedy. Wow. And the, apparent, supposedly there's a prayer said in the White House every day, which is basically a prayer for we, we will not forget you, President Kennedy. We will not forget what you, you know, um, you intended to do. And we will go after those that killed you. Whoa. And, you know, the reason he faked his own death is because Hillary was going to kill him because she wanted the Senate seat from New York that he was going to run for. I can see that, though. Hillary wants everyone dead, Wait, 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 wait. Slow down. This is why Trump protected him. Pop the brakes. You're saying that Kennedy Jr. faked his own death because he knew that Hillary wanted to kill him. Yes, and he's been secretly plotting the plan for 20 years with under the protection of Donald. Where the hell has he been? He's been in Pennsylvania, <laughs> pretending to be Vincent Fusca. Just chilling. <laughs> Apparently, or there's some people who think that there are there is a real Vincent Fusca and he is playing Vincent Fusca. This is an acting job, which is really interesting because in one of the lip reading sessions, uh, you can see Carolyn Bissett Kennedy talking to a guy who's obviously a security guy, obviously a secret service agent. And she says to him, yes, he'll be here in a few minutes. He's, he's playing Vincent Fusca. He's playing Vincent Fusca. He'll be playing Vincent Fusca at this rally. And maybe we're going to go to Ohio and then maybe on to Florida. So I mean, it all just fits. And it's quite crazy and extraordinary. But I think that I think it's true at this point. When is the 20th anniversary? What's the date? The 20th anniversary would be July 16th, which coincidentally people say is also the day that Apollo 11 launched towards the moon and uh, 50 years ago. That's my wedding anniversary. Well, there's also Trump is making a big deal out of July 4th. He's making a big deal out of these. He's going to have some surprises and stuff. Some people think that, you know, he's going to show up on 4th of July. I don't know about that. I don't really like dates. You know, they don't really they, they don't usually come through. Sounds like Independence Day to me. But it does. And and I mean, that would um that would shock and upset the entire world if that was the case. Do you think he'll be like, I was here all along, and then he's going to just throw knowledge at everyone? Like, what do you think is going to happen? Yeah, I, I've been here all I've been here all along. My father was murdered by people inside the CIA, MJ-12. Part of it was to cover up the, the existence of aliens, which my dad was going was gonna to reveal to people. Part of it was to prevent the Russians from getting their hands on alien technology, which was on the moon, which is why my dad wanted to go to the moon in the first place. And he's been murdered. Oh, and by the way, you know, it was Hillary Clinton and the de- the current day deep state, you know, the Bushes, the Clintons, they're all mixed up in this whole deep state thing. And, you know, they would have killed me in 1999 if I hadn't disappeared. And by the way, now I'm back. And oh, by the way, President Trump's going to be, you know, only going to serve one term and I'm going to run for president in 2020 or something like that, something oh, like that. And Kennedy's going to basically take over. Ooh. Yep. 
He yep. needs to be like, aliens are real. Drop mic. Drop mic, yeah. Listen, personally, if I was a non-believer and Junior came out and was like, surprise, it's me and aliens are real, I'd be into it. But I also feel like as a backup alternative, if that doesn't happen, Tupac. Yeah, but then he'd have to but, come out But too. like, that's what I'm saying. But if Tupac came back from the uh, dead and was no. like, hey guys, aliens, Not I think that's all. a good backup. No. <sighs> I don't think Tupac would have quite the impact. That's not at all. Patient. I don't know. I man. would not. So. Honestly, you wouldn't music be like. Music is cool, but I would not be swayed whatsoever. Really? I'd be like, go with back Tupac? to Tupac? Wow. No. Leave. All right. Well, who Leave. do you think it should be then, Brie? Who's like your one person? I told you. It was Corey Good and the <laughs> being Goliath. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most sarcastic answer. Uh, no. I elect Mike. Okay, Mike. Do you I think like that, you because I think that you're funny. And do you think that you could make it to the White House and can like address people? Like, do you think that we could call people and make connections to have you be the new like face of like actual aliens? Totally, totally. I think when it comes time to do the announcement of aliens, I think I should be the guy. That's what I'm saying. I just elected you. But somebody has to promise me they'll be over at Jimmy Church's house and and videoing him, videoing oh, his no, face stop. when he sees stop, me come on stop. the TV. <laughs> What happens if this doesn't happen, if there is no Kennedy Jr. to come out? Well, there is. But what happens? Like, how long do you the give The question it? is, are they going to tell it? Are they going to tell us that or not? Because, look, I have heard from people that I know, one of whom just called me recently. Maybe he's listening to the show. I don't know. I've heard from people on the inside that they really are afraid. They're very concerned about doing this because they think it will shock people so much that they won't trust anything anybody says after that. And they do want, they do want to develop... You know, they do want credibility. Part of why the truth is coming out is they want credibility. But look, the thing is, we're in a we're in the age of Aquarius. We're in the dawning of a new age. The occulted age of Pisces is ending or is ended, and they can't stop the truth from coming out. So what they should be doing is trying to get ahead of the curve and trying to manage it as best they can to reduce the disruption. I mean, I see um, I, I see that this, if it doesn't happen this year, it'll happen next year. It'll happen very soon, and I don't see. A, but I don't. Th- I don't think we can get past twenty twenty four with any of this stuff. I really don't. I totally agree with you, and I think it's a great opportunity. Nobody believes anyone right now, so now is the time you jump on. You have one person that comes out and exposes everything, and people will just flock. Yeah, like I like you. Yeah, exposure. I mean, I think everybody on both sides of the argument i think a lot of people are like trying to find some sort of truth that they can they can uh, attach themselves to and there just isn't any really much out there right now mm-hmm. if someone came to you and was like i want to give you a show about anything in the world that you want to talk about and you could say whatever you have complete control of the narrative what would it be it would be um ancient aliens and jfk and at the end is is JFK Jr. still alive. That's what it would be. Nice. And you would cover the whole deep state aspect? The whole, I would go through everything that's in my book about the Kennedy assassination, the Ancient Aliens and JFK book. And then I think I would, I would, um, you know, put a coda on it about the JFK Jr. stuff and just sort of leave it out there. What's happening? Who is this guy? Why is this happening? I, could, I might even try to get Vincent Fusca on the on the program. That would be really cool. All right. So to all the famous producers out there who listen to our podcast, I assume there's <laughs> at least maybe like seven of you. Uh, Mike's information will be below uh, this podcast in our link. So uh, talk to him. Let him know. Yeah. If you want, if you want the best, the best JFK conspiracy theory ever, because it's the only one that's right, <laughs> do mine. 
and we will op- we'll blow people away with the evidence we have in the documents and we will open lots of things up. All right. I want to ask one more question that I promised one of our Patreons that I would ask. Okay. Bobby from Not For Everyone podcast wants to know if you and the other people from Ancient Aliens ever like have fights with each other. You know, like, you know, opposing opinions, like you're super into JFK and maybe Giorgio's like everything about JFK is fucking stupid. Is there like between you guys or when you when they go and do all this, are you guys like not even near each other? So none of that is stuff that really happens. Oh, no, we hang around each other a lot and we talk about a lot of different things. But what I find is that we all have a lot of agreement on many things and we cooperate and the things we disagree on we just discuss very civilly and there are little smaller factions you know within the ancient aliens community um that does the show like i find myself i have a lot of beliefs and and uh positions that are a lot more in common with say william henry than maybe some of the other people so yeah but we don't ever have knockdown drag out fights i mean we're all we're all proud and 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 very happy to be part of this phenomenon and so you know we we appreciate the blessings that we have and i don't think we really fight about stuff although we do we do discuss you know different positions and you know i mean i i would say i i'm with like travis and william henry on a lot of things and and uh other people may have different opinions on stuff that's very healthy i think yeah that's, that's the super best. healthy yeah yeah so why don't you tell people where they can find you what upcoming projects you have and where they can see you speak at coming up where they can find you on social media and all that kind of things books again. books okay i you know you can find me anywhere really i'm on on facebook i have a fan page plus my personal page which is usually pretty well stocked up with stacked up with you know people that want to be my friends so that's usually filled up i have twitter mike barra nine i have an instagram which is basically private, you know, more personal stuff. Mike Barrett 333 on Instagram. You know, you can find my, I have a, a blog, mikebarrett.blogspot.com or just type Mike Barrett into Google. It should be the first thing that comes up. And so I got the blog and then um, I have a YouTube show called Tell the Truth Wednesdays with Mike Barra on my YouTube channel. That's every Wednesday night from uh, usually about 5 to 6 p.m. Pacific. And let me find my actual, you can search me with just Mike Barra, just pipe in Mike Barra on YouTube or go to my blog site and it has a YouTube link and you can go right there and I talk about all kinds of crazy stuff that we talked about here like Deep State and Vincent Fusca whether Ruth Bader Ginsburg has been dead for six months, you know, and that's a Wednesday, that's a Wednesday live show that I do where I just talk about current events and politics and space and space related to politics. And remember, space and politics are inseparable because they are the face on Mars and the uh, aliens. These are all political questions. They're not really scientific questions anymore. So by all means, come on and listen to my show. You can catch me every Wednesday at uh, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Tell the Truth Wednesday with Mike Barra. So I have one request. If you look in DL Off Pass and love it, you have to let us come on your Mike Barra Wednesday <laughs> live. Okay. So All right. uh, because I, I am I am claiming myself to be an uneducated expert in this field. And so you have to promise if you're super into it, you want to talk about it, let me know because I'm in. I'm desperate to find people to like talk to this shit about. Okay. I'm not sure exactly how to do that with YouTube live streaming, but I can figure it out and I will and I will do that. I promise. Oh, we'll figure it out. Oh, We'll figure it out. I promise. Okay. I have an army full of Reddit people who will tell me how to make that happen. 
Okay, sounds good. Oh my gosh. Having you guys in as guests. I hope it's cool. Before we go, I just wanted to say, I think you're a very knowledgeable guy, but I think one of the things that I really like about you is that your very little bullshit doesn't feel like there's multiple sides to you. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of refreshing. hard to find. Yeah, it's very refreshing because a in lot this of field. people, especially, you know, I'm not going to like throw out people in Ancient Aliens, but you know, there's different sides to people. And that's one of the things I really appreciate admire about, about you. you. Definitely, yeah. I appreciate about you that you're very just, hey, this is what it is type of guy. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I, pre- I appreciate that about me. I, I think that that's true. And that is a thing that I'm really uh, clear about. You know, you always know where I stand on any given issue. Now, occasionally I may have to make a correction, but virtually, you know, I can't remember the last time I made a correction. So <laughs> I'm pretty much right about everything all the time. So, you know, and you're not always going to know where I stand. You're always going to know where I stand. So I appreciate that. Mike, it is always so much of a pleasure to talk you're with you. Too much fun. We have way too much fun with you at conferences when we hang out and drink at bars. <laughs> you are always welcome. Thank you, ladies. All right. Bye, Mike. You have a good Thank night. You, Mike. Thank you. Good night. All right, guys. That was our interview with Mike Barra. I am going to let you guys know that there is a little bit of it that's not going to be on this podcast that you're listening to right now. If you guys want to listen to the full, entire, unedited interview, it's going to be on our Patreon for any Patreon level. A dollar, ten dollars, a million dollars, whatever. That is at patreon.com backslash that one time I was abducted by aliens. All right, Brie, let's get into our shout out. Shout out. We have Adam at Bonart13 from Not For Everyone podcast. Brandy at Fava Fava Life. Destiny at Destiny from Space. Love you, girl. Love you. At J Plus, the fearless leader of at the Kurt Army. We have Matt at Tiller for Riller on Instagram and on YouTube. Tillerforriller.com. We also have Bobby at Pinball Bobby from at Not For Everyone podcast on Instagram. Make sure you guys check them out. Scotty at Scotty Doodle. Simon at Outroversion. Vanessa at Vanessa Wendango. We have AP at Weather Traditions, who's going through some medical stuff right now. So she wants you guys to send her prayers and love and light. And our newest Patreon member, Anthony, who we got to hang out with at AlienCon. You are an angel and we love you. And thank you very much for becoming part of our Patreon family. And last but not least, we have Yawn from the Good, the Bad, and the Just Plain Standard podcast. All right. We have a lot of, you know, like fun, exciting things coming up for you guys. If you keep an eye out on our Instagram and on our YouTube, we're going to be doing something new called Tatiwaba in 60 Seconds where we give you guys a little 60 second snippet of a story that, you know, maybe we don't have time to go into a full episode on it, or maybe you only need 60 seconds to explain it, but we're just trying to find more ways to get more content out there for you guys and to interact with you guys more. And then that way you guys can let us know if there's something that we talked on that you want an entire episode about, just let us know and then we'll dive deep into it. Yeah, because I think the one fun thing that me and Brie really love about this podcast is all the research that we do. And sometimes not all of the research that we look into gets into the podcast. So it's nice to kind of have another outlet for some of the things that spark our interest and hope that it sparks your guys's as well all right guys thanks so much for tuning in tonight if you guys want to get a hold of us shoot us an email at that one time i was abducted at gmail.com find us on instagram at that one time i was abducted follow us on twitter facebook and all social media platforms and make sure you guys check out our patreon if you feel like giving us a dollar a month to help us quit our real life jobs so we could do this full time <laughs> patreon.com slash that one time i was abducted by aliens And then if you guys want, call into our hotline and leave us a message. You could tell us a story. You could just say what's up. You know, whatever's on your mind. Think of us as like your digital alien therapist hotline and just call us with your stories. And the phone number is 408 
320-8481. Thank you guys so much. Have a great night. We love you all and fuck you, Mountain View, California.